Hello, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers here in Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is Friday, February 16th, 2024, and I am really looking forward to our first-time guest today. I'll introduce Donald Jeffries here in just a moment. He's no stranger to me and my family, though. We have uh, followed his writings for many years, really benefited uh, from some of the the insights that he has on the alternative history uh, to, uh, especially in America. And uh, when I say alternative, I mean the true history. He uncovers research and data and things that you're not going to hear from your mainstream media or textbooks. And as we homeschooled our children uh, through the years, we often referred to his books. So I'll say more about him in just a moment. But as always, a couple of quick announcements uh, to start uh, the podcast. Had a great week already. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to some of our uh, podcasts, it's just been uh, just another fantastic week. So we had uh, uh, Gary Stearman on yesterday uh, talking about UFOs, powers, and principalities. Wednesday, of course, was our World Events Update with Randy, another power-packed episode. I was on Speaking of Conspiracies with Josh Monday on Tuesday. <laughs> kind of funny, his last name is Monday. But anyway, that was a fascinating uh, interview. I really appreciate Josh and his heart, and we talked about all kinds of things. Then on uh, Monday, I was on Stand Up for the Truth, uh, and uh, that was a great interview there with Crash Connell. Uh, don't forget, uh, this weekend, I'll be in the pulpit at Plum Creek Chapel. We're continuing our study of First Thessalonians, and this week I'll be talking about Satan's war against God's people, so kind of an intersection of the great Luciferian conspiracy and what Paul was saying there to that first century audience. And then uh, that'll be uh, our last Sunday for three weeks as we hit the road Monday to head down to Georgia, Florida, and then Texas for five different speaking engagements, and really looking forward to that. So pray for us as we're on the road. Wendy and I will be driving. Uh, Brooke and some of the other kids will be flying in for the Orlando Prophecy Summit to join us for that one, a larger conference. So we just covet your prayers and appreciate, as always, your uh, faithful support and encouragement. Uh, don't forget to check out the website, notbyworks.org, for some of the free content uh, that we have there. And uh, as always, you can sign up for our newsletter by putting in your email address at the bottom of the homepage. Okay, with that, let's bring on Donald Jeffries. You can learn more about him at donaldjeffries.media, or you can uh, sign up for his Substack at donaldjeffries.substack.com. Don, Don, thanks so much for joining us for the program today. Well, I, I thanks so much for having me. It's it's wonderful to hear that you know about my books and you even. YouTube and your homeschooling, uh, it's, it's, that's, that's very wonderful to hear. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I I think I was telling you before we started, uh, I came across you on one of the many interviews you do. And in fact, I just recently uh, heard you with uh, Richard Serrett talking about your newest book, uh, yeah. which I'll mention here in just a moment. And, you know, I've always been a, a, a JFK uh, conspiracy aficionado, uh, nowhere near the level that you and some of the other guys are, but it's a, I've got a bookshelf full of books. And so I've added that one to my uh, shelf. And, uh, you know, it's uh, what I was struck with when I first heard you was, you know, you were exposing some things that I had never heard before. Now, by the time I Cross paths with you on by listening to your interviews. I already was awake to the grand conspiracy and the fact that things are not always as they appear, and that often we've been lied to. Uh, but you really exposed some things that I that I hadn't heard before, and I want to get into some of those. But before we do, let me mention a few of your books, and I highly 
recommend that you guys get every one of these. They're part of that uh, sort of uh, truth shelf, if you will. Uh, so these are the ones that I have. I think I've got seven of them. The brand new one is called Pipe the Bimbo in Red. Uh, I loved the story about how, how you came up with that uh, title. But anyway, that's basically a, one of the JFK books, kind of exposing the connection between Dean Andrews, Jim Garrison, uh, Lee, Lee Oswald, and so forth. Uh, one of the first ones that I came across was Hidden History, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics. And uh, and then uh, the similar one, Crimes and Cover-ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963. Those are must-haves. They all are. Anything by Donald Jeffries, I highly recommend. Um, and then a more recent book, Masking the Truth, great title, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World. And uh, our listeners will be familiar with uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. I've had the opportunity to be on her program a number of times. And she wrote the foreword for that book. And I know there are a lot of treatments out there exposing uh, all of the uh, the fraud related to the what I call the control of virus scamdemic. But uh, anything by Donald Jeffries is going to be top shelf. So I, I, I highly recommend that one. A couple of other books, one that I cite in my uh, Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2 book, Bullyocracy, How the Social Hierarchy Enables Bullies to Rule Schools, Workplaces, and Society at Large. Then he's got the Survival of the Richest, great book, one of my favorites, How the Corruption of the Marketplace and the Disparity of Wealth Created the Greatest Conspiracy of All. And then one exposing all of the dark, seedy underworld of Hollywood and the entertainment industry called On Borrowed Fame, Money, Mysteries, and Corruption in the Entertainment World. So check those out. Uh, uh, Don, can they get those from your website or uh, Amazon or which one? Well, I, I don't sell them myself. Uh, I, when I had copies of, I, I had extra, I still have copies of that type of demo in red so people can contact me about that maybe. But other than that, I just suggest you get the, uh, you know, we, we get, other than masking the truth, I ask that uh, I, people go to my sub stack, they'll find the posts I made about that. It's uh, for Lulu because, you know, no publisher is going to take this. Book. So I had a very small guy that did. So we do it through Lulu and I, I do make more money per copy. You, know, you don't pay anymore if you go through Lulu, but it, it's not that substantial. And all my other books, it's, it's really, uh, you know, negligible in terms of, so I always suggest people get the best deal they can. It's, they're, they're available in lots of, although Masking the Truth is shadow banned, it's the most shadow banned book in the world. Barnes and Noble just took it off their website, for instance, recently, and they have given us next book. The, all the others though, you can be fine everywhere. Yeah, so I, I I agree. You know, when I when I after I invited you on the show and had you on the calendar, I was looking to see what your new books were, and that's where I found Pipe the Bimbo uh, and uh, that JFK, one of the JFK books. But uh, and I get it on Amazon just because it's it's easy, and you know yeah. I know Jeff Bezos has enough money, but you know yeah. time is of the essence, and uh, sometimes it's yes. simple enough to do that. So, all right, well, folks, uh, we're talking with Donald Jeffries and. Um, just a, fa a fascinating author and researcher. So let's dive in by telling us a little bit about your background for our listeners, how you got started with Mark Lane and the whole JFK thing. Well, I, I, I come from a Catholic family. So uh, my I was seven years old when JFK was assassinated. Uh, my memories really start in earnest from that day because it had such an impact on me watching my family, the way they were acting and upset. And my dad was, you know, accusing Lyndon Johnson right from the beginning. So I was steep in that at seven years old. And uh, you know, I didn't know anybody in my family that thought Lee Harvey Oswald did it. In fact, as a seven-year-old, I remember going around telling people, oh, Jack Ruby shot Oswald to stop him from talking. You know, even at seven years old, I could realize <laughs> on that level how, you know, dishonest it was. Uh, but 
So I, I kind of dropped it for a while until Bobby Kennedy ran for president in 1968. And as an 11-year-old, um, I really got interested in politics because of that. I, I guess I had that Kennedy you know, instinct in me because he was, they were the first Catholic president. My family loved him so much because of that. And uh, they seemed special to me. So I, that's when I learned about politics. I learned about the primary process, and I followed the electoral, uh, the uh, uh, delegate votes and everything for him. And I rooting for him so strongly as an 11 year old could. And then I, I was crushed, you know, when he was shot. I kind of expected it. And I, I cried like a baby when he died. And um, I still, but I, I still follow politics from there. You know, I started, I was a, I was a liberal Democrat. That's what, you know, we were Democrats. And uh, so, uh, but 1975 or so, I, I just, I, I was watching the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. And he, he would have these uh, authors on to discuss uh, the assassination of JFK. And that's when I first realized I never thought Oswald did it, but that's when I first realized, wow, this is so much evidence there showing he didn't do it. So I started reading all the books, including Mark Lane's Russian Judgment and uh, Harold Weisberg's series, Sylvia Morris, Esther Zeds. In fact, all the, all the classics that people can, should still read to get uh, well-versed in the subject if they want to be, you know, if they want to go down that rabbit hole and be obsessed like I am, because you can get lost in the minutiae of it. But um, so... And that subject, and of course, I joined Mark Lane's Citizens Committee of Inquiry. It's because they had chapters all over the country. So he was in D.C. I was in Northern Virginia. So I got to meet him. And I described that in, in Hidden History. It had a huge impact on me. And I patterned my own politics after him. He was a hero to me. He was a civil libertarian. And uh, that's what I became. And I still am. And there's uh, most of them are dead, like Mark Lane. You know, there aren't very many civil libertarians left, but I still fight for people's right to say whatever it is, no matter how much I disagree with it, because otherwise the first free speech means nothing if you don't defend yeah. the right of speech that you disagree with. Uh, but there aren't many people like that left. So from there, it led me down to you know, other rabbit holes. And certainly by the 90s, when Bill Clinton was president, it was Conspiracy Central. So <laughs> Oklahoma City, Ruby Ridge, Vince Foster, JFK Jr., all these subjects I, co I covered in depth and did mystery and all. I have a new book coming out in a couple months called The American Memory Hole. It's basically Hidden History 3. And I'll have a lot more deep diving into JFK, JFK Jr., 9-11, Oklahoma City, uh, all, all all my favorite subjects. Well, I can't wait for that. And uh, so a couple of comments here uh, before my next question. So um, I, I love that you mentioned you grew up in a liberal Democratic family. You know, one of the big eye-opening things for me when I woke up, and in and, and the same way that the JFK assassination was kind of your unfreezing event, for me it was 9-11, although sadly I didn't really realize I'd been lied to about that until seven years after it happened. And I tell that story in the, in the introduction to Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1. But one of the things that I started doing, which I never would have done before that, because I grew up in one of these card-carrying, right-wing, evangelical, Rush Limbaugh, you know, Fox <laughs> yeah. News type, uh, you know, groups. And so I never read any uh, books by opposing worldviews. But when I started researching, and I went all in, Don, I mean, I... Uh, I have a PhD. I spent 12 years in, in higher ed and in, in the baccalaureate and graduate levels teaching. And so I learned to research and it's 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 in my blood. And so I, I just went all in. And so I started reading books by progressives and liberals. And even though I may not agree with some of the way they connect the dots, the facts that they presented were things that I had never heard about from, right. you know, Sean Hannity and so forth. So I encourage folks uh, to, to be willing to broaden your horizons and read 
read facts uh, by other people that may not agree with you on everything. Uh, eat the meat, spit out the bones, as they say. And then you mentioned, of course, going back to JFK, uh, I'm going to be speaking in Orlando at the Orlando Prophecy Summit twice. I'm one of 16 speakers, and one of my messages is called The Conspiracy Theory Conspiracy, which I talk about in one of my books, but I'm going to talk about the CIA, how they weaponized that term specifically in response to those who did not buy the Warren Commission. Yes. And uh, and so, uh, you know, that's uh, something just for folks to look forward to. But uh, so so here you are, you're you're kind of going down the rabbit hole, as you said. And uh, let's talk about some of the false narratives that we have been uh, taught. And I don't really have a particular agenda of which ones, but let me just start with one that really was the most profound to me. And that was when you uh, talk about Abraham Lincoln. So now tell yeah. us what you can about some of the stuff that most people don't know about him. Well, you know, Lincoln was a hero of mine, like everybody else, you know, and, and I, I, I studied his assassination pretty much not long after I started, you know, getting into the JFK assassination. As I was, well, there's a lot of questions about it, too. And, you know, I kind of coupled Lincoln with Kennedy. There were some parallels. And uh, so uh, I thought, well, they, they knock all these people off that are good, you know. But it, and I was I was in the public library, though, probably in the 90s. And uh, it just shook my world up. I saw this book called Southwood's Right exclamation point uh written by i think the kent donald and ronald kennedy or something not related obviously jfk but um so i, I had i had one well, i had it first of all i was amazed it was in the library i doubt it's in any numbers now but it was then and uh, so I, I read it and it just changed my world because uh they, you know they used firsthand sources from people that talked about and, and i i never had considered i knew lincoln had uh, suspended the writ of habeas corpus uh, I knew that he, you know, censored some newspapers, but you know, it was all to save the union and, you know, for a greater cause and all that. We were, what, what was he supposed to do, you know? Uh, but it made me look at it in a different light because I started seeing, wow, you know, this is, he really uh, could have handled this differently. You know, the original seven states that wanted to secede from the union, first of all, they should have had every right to do so because we seceded from England. That's what the war for independence was about. You know? And uh, you had people like, uh, Jefferson and others that Jefferson talked about whenever the people uh, you know grow tired of this form of government, they have the right to alter or abolish it. So this is I was steeped in that. And I, I never thought, yeah, you know, well, he basically he was saying, no, you can't leave this union. You can't get a divorce. This is it. And uh, so and I started reading about all the atrocities. And of course, you know, my book Crimes and Cover-ups, I, I have and I'll have more in American memory hall, by the way, because there's so much out there, but you have to get southern sources. And uh, which, of course, people that are, but, you know, these are sources at the time. So why would they, you know, you could argue that, but I, I don't see the, why they would, you know, just completely make this stuff up. But on the surface of it, we know Lincoln tried to just, did suspend the writ of habeas corpus. He tried to arrest the chief justice when the chief justice said it was uh, unconstitutional. Luckily, they talked him out of doing that. He shut down over 200 newspapers. He threw, we don't know how many thousands of Northern citizens who weren't pro-slavery or they weren't, uh, uh, even necessarily pro-secession, but they didn't, they objected to this war of going to war about it and losing all these men for what they thought was a senseless reason, killing each other, killing Americans, brother killing brother. I threw them in the makeshift prisons, and this is why today it's very important because we look at the political prisoners from January 6th and a lot of similarities. Now, the writ of habeas corpus wasn't suspended, but it might as well have been because they've been denied all due process, the ones that are still in prison for three years now. And uh, so... There are parallels there. And I've always said that if the reason why these precedents are so dangerous, most of them going back to Lincoln, 
because if anyone, if there were civil libertarians around, if Mark Wayne was around or, you know, the ACLU still cared about civil libertarians, I was a cardinal member of the ACLU as a teenager in the middle, uh, young, uh, early 20s. Now, they all they care about is climate change and racism and nonsense like that instead of caring about civil liberties for all. But if they were still, if they still cared about it and they had protest marches and they tried to do anything about it, they would, the government would simply cite the precedent of Lincoln. And say, well, you know, this is an insurrection. It's just like the rebellion. We had to do it. So, but they haven't even had to do it because nobody's really protested except for people like me. But so Lincoln set so many horrible presidents. If you look at the first 15 presidents, with the exception of Polk, Lincoln was the 16th. Polk was the first one to overstep his bounds by, uh, I think it was an unconstitutional war with Mexico. And the ramifications of that are are from today because we did steal a lot of land. And uh, that's why you have, Radical groups like Araza, La Raza, which have a point. You know, I mean, it's a long time ago, but they have a point. And I, in my American memory hall, I have more of these, I have a lot more on that. Uh, lots of atrocities were committed by American troops on civilians and so forth in Mexico. So it, it, it even got started before Lincoln, but Lincoln refined that to an art. His, his generals, uh, Sherman and Sheridan especially, uh, they cut a swath through the South and they came up with this total war or scorched earth policy that our military still uses. And it basically says that civilians are, are, are fair game. Women are fair game. So you have mass rapes and uh, it's theft. And, you know, in, in uh, Crimes and Cover-Ups, you probably remember, I have a letter. From, and this is not a conspiracy theory. It's a letter from a Union lieutenant named Thomas Myers, who was writing back to his family, kind of bragging about all the, the property that we had. They had a, they had a the grifting ring as they, as they went through the South. The Union troops stole everything they could get their hands on. He talked about all the jewelry they had, but he was bitter. <coughs> the Sherman, <coughs> excuse me, Sherman wanted a cut of everything. And he's, he said, you know, Sherman's got enough gold to start a bank. And uh, from so this is this is so this is really indicting, damning, because this is firsthand evidence of somebody. He's not, he doesn't have an axe to grind. He's kind of bragging about it to his family, but he's also complaining about Sherman getting a cut. But that letter is huge evidence, and I, you know, I, I put that in the book. And uh, and at the end, he says, you know, make sure this doesn't get out of the family. He doesn't want necessarily everybody to know. So that's what we were doing. And and, and I go, I show in the next book, I'll show how this kind of theft was was prevalent going back, and even some attacks on the Indians in our country, uh, where the troops did tend to steal. And once the precedent had been set and ingrained under Lincoln's troops, yeah. It's, it's been in every war since then. Rape, pillage, plunder. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, we should all be ashamed of it. Yeah, in my book, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume Two, uh, I talk about uh, the Navajo. This was about the same time as the Civil War, um, but the uh, that same general time frame. But you know, the the, the long walk of the Navajo and how uh, American troops, the United States federal government, what they did to the Navajo people. It's just unconscionable. And folks, uh, you know, I, I realize if you've never studied this, it may be kind of shocking or distasteful to think about our, the American government doing these things. And certainly there are good patriotic, God-fearing men and women in politics. There's getting to be fewer and fewer. So we don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. But the fact that there are rogue elements within our government that have done some pretty evil atrocities is undeniable. And the fact that, in my opinion, uh, the our American government has been long ago hijacked by a Luciferian elite that are really trying to usher in a one-world system, uh, I think that's undeniable as well. And so 
in my books, I, I come at it from this uh, sort of spiritual battle, uh, biblical approach to, you know, Satan's conspiracy, and then I focus extensively on his human accomplices, the ones that are kind of doing his bidding, his boots on the ground, if you if you will. But um, particularly around the turn of the 20th century, you had, you know, you said a concerted effort by the elite of the day, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, the Fords, and the, the DuPonts and others that really came together to hijack just about every area of, of America. But going back to Lincoln, yeah, that was one of the things that was shocking to me was that uh, you know, you've got all these letters that you cite, I think there's more than one in the book that are, again, this is just evidence. This isn't some conspiracy of people trying to make Lincoln look bad. I mean, it is what it is. And then I took my family to the Lincoln Museum uh, in Illinois, and they're not even trying to hide it right there in full color, you know, big displays on the wall. They're bragging about how, you know, uh, Lincoln, you know, uh, you know, violated the Constitution, but like you said, he did it yeah. for the good of the Union. Yeah. And I think the same thing is is happening today. And I, I guard, I cautioned against, um, you know, and I'm sure you cover this in your uh, um, the, uh, COVID book. But uh, you know, back during the height of the pandemic, when many conservatives were cheering. Uh, yeah. The likes of Abbott and DeSantis and others who were waving their magic wands and issuing these decrees, everybody was like, yeah, good for them. And I'm thinking, you know, isn't it funny how when a liberal uses executive orders like Obama, he's the dictator in chief. Right. But when Trump or a conservative does it, it's good. And I just yeah. it just makes me so nervous because they can yield that same magic wand uh, either if they uh, turn evil or they get controlled, and I think most of them are, they can turn it against us. So that's why we have a constitution, um, and, and that's why we need to, uh, you know, to, to defend the constitution. So uh, what are some of the other, in your mind, as you think about your two books on, on hidden history, and I can't wait for that third one to come out, uh, some of the other major narratives that the average person doesn't really know about? Well, the average person, I, I've, I've said for a long time, and today, I mean, it's been somewhat true to varying degrees, certainly in the course of my lifetime, but I don't know what it's like 100 years ago. Obviously, people were, were overall more educated, even though they didn't have a formal education. They just, uh, education they had was much more limited to actual learning information as opposed to being indoctrinated. But uh, people, so American, the average American is basically historical, historically illiterate today. So I'm writing books about people, you know, history, trying to expose history, but a lot of the people that might read them aren't even, don't even really know the establishment history. But it's, it's kind of a hard thing to try to show that this is a lie if you don't know what the lie was. But going back to, I, I think, the first uh, formal, the first official false flag, and if, well, you could argue for it Sumter, I guess. But the uh, first one we know for sure was a false flag was the, the, the uh, 1898, the uh, Remember the Maine, the sinking of the Maine to start. And that was when America, America has taken so many, across uh, so many lines in the sand, as I call them. That's where we really uh, overstepped. We really stepped outside of our, our, our continent for that, because uh, when, when we decided to go to Cuba, that was something that was untoward of. And again, they, they, they came up with a false flag. They, they the establishment historians that today admit that, yeah, actually, you know, uh, the Spanish didn't blow up the Maine. So they, they so the you know remember the Maine the hell with Spain that was the cry back then, uh, but you know and William Randolph Hearst you know who invented the yellow press you know one of the first really bad journalists of the day talked about you know I'll give you your damn war you know you get pictures I'll, I'll go there and get pictures and I'll give you your war, and uh, so the press again even that 
were were rallying to try to to for America to get. I mean, what, what America had no reason to be. You know, of course, ironically, you know, sixty years later, or whatever, we had no reason really to care that much about Cuba either. Uh, but this is you know this kind of set a precedent in terms of you know we had to go there and, and nobody even remembers what the fighting was about. But I I have I'll have in the next book I'll have some examples of some of the atrocities that happened there and later but that so that was a we crossed the line in sand there and we had almost identical false flag uh with the sinking of Louisiana World War One, which was just as glaring. Uh, they acknowledged now the Germans that weren't you know they didn't blow it up start a war. Uh, Ford stories admit that now, but uh, it shouldn't have been where it was, it was, and the Germans gave up plenty of warnings and so forth. But just as Roosevelt would want desperately for us to get World War II, Wilson desperately wanted us to get World War One, and we really took that was a giant line we crossed because that's when we went global. Woodrow mm -hmm. Wilson was the first globalist; he was also the first eugenicist to hold high office. And I'll have much more, I lots more about Woodrow Wilson coming up in the American Memory Hall, but. Just to give you an example, as governor of New Jersey, he he passed as he is a diehard eugenicist. He passed the first uh, forced sterilization bill, mm. which uh, which is again, this is you talk about abortion and all these other things. This is all they're all part of the same family, mm -hmm. all anti-life. And so in this case, yeah, we can all look and you can you can reason with people and say, well, you know, can somebody that's you know mentally deficient should they be able to have a child? Somebody's a real big drug abuser, and that's the argument they use. But it's a slippery slope, and uh, obviously it, it was abused because it can easily go over into well, somebody that believes what we believe should they really have children? Right, they're responsible. Yeah. So that, that's why it's a slippery slope. So, but and I'll have an American general, the guy that Wilson had, I don't remember his name, but who put in charge of this forced sterilization program in New Jersey, wound up. Um, I guess it was uh, about. 30 years later, 35 years later, he wound up over in the middle of uh, World War II and he gets uh, arrested by the uh, Gestapo and they and he was a Jewish guy too. And uh, they but they they liked the cut of his jib and they, they put him in charge as the uh, the camp commandant, the doctor, head doctor at Buchenwald. Mm. So, you know, what are the, that's the kind of connections I find fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And and folks, we're talking with Donald Jeffries, donaldjeffries.media or donaldjeffries.substack.com, uh, the false narratives in American history. And uh, we know that Satan is a liar. Uh, Jesus said he, when he speaks, everything he says is a lie. He started his campaign to take over this world with a lie to Eve. And his earthly co-conspirators have been lying ever since, as I cite in one of my books, uh, you know, every time these Luciferians uh, type, you know, lies appear on the screen. And so, but let's go back for a moment. I want to just comment on uh, the uh, the main. Uh, I have, I deal with this extensively in chapter 10 of Spirit of the Antichrist, volume one, which is on false flags and eugenics, the two very things you just brought up. Uh, and what was interesting about that is Frederick Remington, who was Hearst's uh, photographer, was sent over there. And he cabled back and he said, look, everything's quiet here. There's no trouble here. There will be no war. I wish to return. And that's when Hearst famously replied, please remain. You furnish the pictures and I'll furnish the war. And, uh, and we see this time and again. Um, with uh you know with with of course uh, World War one World War two with what's now it's openly admitted uh that the uh, uh the what was the uh, 
the false flag that started got us into World War. Or no, Pearl, no Pearl, yeah, Pearl, yeah, Pearl Harbor. But that, then yeah. I was thinking I was confusing. Uh, uh, I'm talking about Vietnam. Uh, the uh, oh, oh, uh, Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, 50 yeah. years later they come out, and a lot of people were saying that all along. But now they go, yeah, it was. It never happened. It was completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, Operation Operation Northwoods, which we didn't we didn't know about until the 1990s, and we only found out about it accidentally because again, some some of these things slipped through the cracks, or you know, they they do this stuff on purpose so much. Who knows? But it came <laughs> out. A reference to it came out in the uh, one of the document releases from the Assassination Record and Review Board, which mm. was. Uh, which was formed in response to Oliver Stone's film JFK. And uh, one of those talked about this Operation North was, and again, for people to talk about Sandy Hook and Boston bombing and even Super Bowl shooting, things like this, a lot of us, you know, if we look into this, there are questions and all these things. And, uh, but we, we were enabled when we found out about our Operation Northwoods because that's basically, they discussed a giant hoax. And the yeah. whole thing was, we're going to have fake plane crashes. It's unclear how many would be real and how many they were going to do a lot of crazy stuff to try to blame on Cuba, but this was a this was a, basically a giant psyop that they talked about doing. So for them to make fun of people, the question Sandy Hook or any of these other incidents, you had the U.S. government proposing this on a much grander scale in 1962. Oh. And and JFK, to his great credit, he was the only one his entire Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted it. JFK said, "No, that's insane." And but he so he stopped it. But yeah. otherwise, they would they would have done it. Yeah, the the Joint Chiefs of Staff brought it to him as a proposal, and thankfully he said no. You know, one of the things I love about Kennedy, you know, now look, you know, morally and spiritually, we understand, like so many presidents, he he had issues in that regard in his personal life, but he he stood up to the establishment. He was not afraid uh, to you know to do what he felt was right, and of course they they took him out because of that. Um, but uh, yeah, he he thankfully he stopped that. You know, going back to to Lincoln for a second, I, I couldn't help but think of the Kissinger quote that I give uh, in my book. Kissinger famously said, "You know, the illegal we do immediately; the unconstitutional takes a little longer." And uh, you know, that's uh, that's you know even more true today because we have so many people that have awakened to the the dark side of our government, uh, whether you call it the deep state, the global elite, whatever you call it, uh, there is a, a rogue element in there. And with the onset of social media and technology and, and, and the internet, it's harder for them to cover it up. Uh, but you better believe they they have no regard for the Constitution. Um, so, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, OKC and Vince Foster. Um I had Joel Skousen on recently, and he talked about the Vince Foster killing. Those were all the things that I touch on in my books. The OKC one was particularly um, egregious, just as 9-11 was, because you've got so many smoking gun evidences that that, that official narrative is completely bogus. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, what, what else uh, is on your mind in terms of false narratives that our folks may not have contemplated? Well, of course, again, you have you have Pearl Harbor, and then you had uh, again the Operation Northwoods, which didn't happen. Gulf Tonkin did happen, and then you you and again as you as you mentioned, they've kind of uh, oh by the way they uh, mentioned that's true, and and these connections again the, the man in charge of the uh, the fleet at the Gulf of Tonkin was uh, Admiral Morrison, who was the father of Jim Morrison of the Doors. Hmm. So these are the kind of strange connections you find everywhere, but um, and of course going farther down uh, deeper into uh, the present. Right near the present, you have the weapons of mass destruction nonsense. Even before that, you had the uh, well, even before the built on the the, uh, the lie about Kuwait invading Kuwait. If you remember uh, the, the first Gulf War, and you remember the 
the attractive young girl crying tearfully before Congress. And yeah. we find out, oh, she's the daughter of the guy that's Kuwaiti ambassador who's been on all over TV pressuring the pro-war media to, to have us get involved. And, and so and maybe things trying out incubators and again, it's they don't stop. I mean, they, they tried this, uh, whether it's Hamas or Ukraine or anything, it's the same going back to World War One. They, they, and it's ironic because they clearly don't like human babies very much because they don't have any respect for their life. But they used that constantly, where they where there was the the, the, uh, the dirty krauts, you know, bayoneting babies in World War One, and uh, all, all the way to you know the Iraqis throwing them out of incubators. It's you know it's people you would think Americans would be sophisticated enough to at least remember. That, well, this sounds familiar, you know, yeah. but the, but they don't. So they use the raping and all that. And of course, I'll have in uh, I'll have more of that. But as you know, in Crimes and Cover-Ups, my book, I uh, I documented the the Allied atrocities and one of the worst atrocities. I think it goes back to the Civil War when they started doing this, when they raped. Virtually, I, I guess they had some respect for the white women of the South more or something, but they raped every slave woman they could find. Mm. And that's why one of the lies, you know, you see so much mixed race in the South. Uh, that had a lot more to do with it than any masters, plantation masters raping slaves. Yeah, Which and you, you have letters that that I think document that. That's one of the things that yeah. uh, that that is shocking. And I know that folks, this is this is why you need to research. This is why you need to to look at the facts because this is so contrary to the narratives that we have been uh, have been taught. Um, yeah, I want to clarify a couple of things just because you and I know what you're talking about, but some of our listeners, these may be new terms. But going back to Northwoods, it was essentially a plan put by, put forth by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to basically take down American jets, American uh, commercial airliners, blame it on the Cubans, and use it as a pretext for attacking them. And what's bizarre about that is if you remember one of the outcry, one of the recurring themes after 9-11 from, you know, Bush and Rice and uh, others was nobody could have ever possibly conceived of, of terrorists hijacking up commercial airliners and flying them into buildings. Never mind the fact that that very scenario was mentioned in the presidential daily briefing. And never mind the fact that roughly six months or so before the pilot episode of The Lone Gunman, was, uh, which aired on national TV, uh, not the pilot episode, it was actually the first episode and it was called Pilot. That was the name of the episode. It was about uh, Arab hijackers uh, for hijacking commercial airliners and flying them into the World Trade Center. So apparently uh, when they meant nobody could have uh, you know, conceived of this, they meant everybody could have conceived of it except us, is what they what they really meant. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the incubator babies going back to the first Gulf War, and that was when we first uh, started learning of just how uh, complicit the mainstream media is. And I have a whole chapter on Mockingbird in my books. Um, but that's when CNN, remember, got caught filming from atop their uh, building yes. in Atlanta, claiming they were in Iraq. And uh, but it was just a green screen and uh, they were acting like they were being bombed. That was just in downtown Atlanta. Yeah, yeah I think it was Richard Jaco was a reporter that, and, and yeah. his career, his career didn't suffer at all. I mean, that's a that's it's it's amazing. And so when Donald Trump came up with the fake news thing, a lot of us could relate to that because certainly they would been keeping up with the rape thing, you know, back in uh, probably one of the most controversial books of my parts of my book, Crimes and Cover-Ups, American Politics, 70, 76, 1963 was going over the Allied atrocities. And uh, part of the unfortunate truth there was the greatest generation, the 
these men we revere, you know, the boy, whatever you want, band of brothers, whatever you want to call them, uh, they they undeniably raped so many women in Germany and Japan that they had to build special brothels to accommodate them. And and this again, this is part of the historical record. And uh, so that's why you know when I hear about any kind of uh, atrocities that happen anywhere in the world, supposedly, first of all, I consider the sources. Mm -hmm. I, I know that our intelligence agencies, our government telling us that they have no credibility. They lie incessantly about everything. So automatically, I'm dubious. Second, I can't. How can we check that? We don't know. We don't, we don't know what's going on. All we know, but we do know. And that's why I, I always try to stress uh, domestic policy over foreign policy. And that's why they, they place so much emphasis on foreign policy in our political discourse. It's because they want to take your attention away from their corruption. And the fact that our own roads and bridges and power grids they haven't been updated in 60 years, they're failing, they're crumbling, we're turning into the, the world's wealthiest banana republic, we're definitely third world country in most ways now. The fact that 96% of these clowns get reelected every election, no matter what, whether that's because of complete fraud or because the American people are that stupid, I don't, I don't you know, I guess you better hope there was fraud, you know, that happens, but that's a reality. You can't vote them out. And after the 2020 election, it should be pretty obvious. So the no. Republicans that are confident about 2024, I tell you, well, look, <laughs> they're not only not acknowledging, they not only didn't make any reforms in 2020, they're prosecuting Trump and Giuliani and who knows who else for saying there was there was fraud. Yeah. So they're criminalizing it, saying Gary Lake may be prosecuted in Arizona. So why do you think that, I mean, now may, they may, I said, I, I don't know what they're planning to do because I'm not part of it. And I think this is all scripted. I wouldn't put it past them to to engineer a Trump victory, maybe have him serve from prison or something. I, they may just want to go full you know, idiocracy. I don't know. But uh, so it's not impossible. But uh, under the basis of, uh, of of them, the way they count the votes, uh, it's, it's impossible. I don't think I think Republicans and the Republicans, because of their open borders policy, which we see so much today is what's happening now. Uh, because uh, you had so many of these Republicans that waved them in too, that were you know saying, "Oh, yeah. you know, we they want cheap labor." Well, we get to the point where the demographics have changed so much that you know Donald Trump, if he won in twenty twenty, he certainly didn't win my landslide because the demographics wouldn't allow that any longer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's you know it's pretty much split even down the, in the country. Yeah, it really is. They're dividing and, and trying to divide and conquer. They the the Luciferians that are trying to bring down America so that we're forced to join on with a one world government. Uh, they would much rather us turn on ourselves and kill ourselves than have to yes. do it themselves. Although uh, Brzezinski famously said right before he died in 2017, today it's much easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. Yes, that's yeah. part. That's true too. But um, let's talk about politics for just a moment in the time we have left here, uh, since you brought that up. Uh, for my part, again, before I woke up in about 2007 or so to the way the world really exists uh, and began seeing the deceptive plan to take over the world through the lens of Scripture, I was heavily involved in politics. Again, a very conservative guy. My uh, aunt uh, worked for eight years in the Reagan White House. Uh, she was one of his appointment secretaries. We got a personal private tour of the Oval Office uh, back when, he, when, when that was a possibility. And then when he was ending his term, she went to work for Jack Kemp, of whom you remember he ran for nomination in, in uh, whatever that was, 88. And mm -hmm. so I got to do some advance work uh, when he when there was a RNC debate in Houston, Texas, where I was uh, in college at the time uh, for him, got to meet him, 
and I was a big, you know, Kemp guy and didn't realize just how much all of this was, uh, was controlled until now. Now I realize we have selections, not elections. But back then, even before I woke up to the reality of the grand conspiracy, I was clued into the fact that something is not right with our election system. And that's because uh, I remember one of the first elections I voted in, um, I went in to vote and I knew my parents had voted absentee because they were going to be uh, gone. And so back then you'd go into the polling place and they'd have this big book uh, open and it was alphabetical and you'd tell them your name, show them your driver's license. And I noticed right there and they would they checked off my name and then handed me a ballot and I went into the booth. But right there below my name was my dad's name and my mom's name in our district. And it was not checked off. And I knew they had voted. And so I asked the people, um, you know, hey, this is my parents. I see they haven't been in yet. Uh, I said, uh, uh, could they come in and vote still this afternoon? They said, oh, yeah, anybody that's not checked off, they can absolutely vote. And uh, and so I, I went home, told my folks that. And we even, I remember, I was probably about, shoot, I don't know, 20 years old. I remember even calling a local news station and saying, hey, I've uncovered something. If you vote absentee, you can vote twice. You know, and of course they said, you know, thanks for calling. Click. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the word. So, I mean, uh, do you and, and, and I agree and I'm not a Trump fan. My, our listeners know that. Um, but I absolutely think what's happening now is is a travesty. It's un-American when you start arresting your political opponents. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. no longer uh, that that's a, a crossing the Rubicon. But what's your take? You You mentioned they may let Trump in. Uh, what's your best guess? I know you're not a prophet, but how do you think things are going to play out in 24? Well, I've, you know, I, when Trump won in 2016, I, I stopped making any predictions because I would have never, I would have been every penny I own that Hillary Clinton, this is going to be, uh, this was going to be a coronation. They wanted her in there. But so it shocked me but they obviously took a step at that point. They wanted to really ratchet up the division and, and get the other side fired up. So they may want to do that again. They may want, because if he comes back, I mean, can you imagine how many pussy hats you're going to have in the streets, how many screaming banshees and burning buildings, and there'll be lots of interactions that won't be called that. Yeah. But, right. uh, so it'll be something different. But um, I, I mean, I, my, you know, if I'm looking at it logically, if, I, if I'm, thinking i'm not in their you know, conspiracy obviously but I, I would think that michelle obama would be their number one pick if she would uh, she would check off all the boxes you know and uh you would be you can't get much more politically correct than that choice and they would really criminalize any criticism of them on all levels as, as you know even more so than uh, barack obama but i don't know they don't that doesn't seem fair. I, but I, and I never thought in 2020, I, out of all that group, I would have never thought they were going to pick Joe Biden. Yeah, he's barely functional. I, I still don't know what happened on that Super Tuesday where suddenly they, somebody they they got a, I guess a memo from Conspiracy Central and said, okay, we're switching to Biden because they just automatic. Oh, it's like his campaign was on life support after New Hampshire. I, I don't understand it. It makes no sense. But um, and to me. But I think, again, they, just as they wanted Trump for a reason, I think they wanted Biden for a reason because they, they like this. You know, they like the fact that he he falls going upstairs and he's walking around and shaking hands in the air. And he, I mean, it's almost like they're making fun of people with dementia. I, I don't know what it's, it's really elder abuse in a way. But uh, so I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't they, they seem to have dropped. You know, they don't, they don't seem to want Kamala Harris because she's too much of an embarrassment to me. She'd fit right in. I don't know. But um I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. I don't. Uh, 
I'm a, a little disturbed at Nikki Haley's uh, fake popularity. I mean, mm -hmm. she's horrible. Yep. And uh, the, the Republicans have already, I said when Trump was elected, this is our last hope. And, yeah. you know, I, I knew there wasn't, that he wasn't much of a chance that he'd be sincere, but I said, this is our last hope. And he will be the last Republican president. I still stand by that. Although, again, they could, they could rig it and just claim he's, he's, you know, and, and put him in again. But there's no way somebody like Haley could legitimately be able to, there's no other Republican that, that other than like Vivek Ramaswamy could maybe, but um, none of these rhinos could get elected because th that base is gone. Yeah. Because you have the MAGA people, because those 70, 80 million people who still, most of them still like Trump, I think misguidedly, but uh, they're awake. Those are the people that are awake to some degree. They're never going to fall. They're not going to vote for a rhino. So no. that's when maybe Bobby Kennedy, who's been suspiciously quiet, there's no talk about him at RFK Jr. trying to slip below there. He's still there. I would imagine if Trump doesn't get it, he would get the lion's share of that vote. And I don't know who would vote for Nikki Haley. I mean, her vote would have to be 100% fake. I, I don't know who, who yeah. could possibly vote for her. But again, people are stupid. So, you know, it's... Uh, I think it's all I think it's all theater, Don. Uh, I really do. I think the Nikki factor is just, a, 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 you know, an, a, an actor on a stage for now leading up to the uh, yeah. final election. Um you know, Joel Skousen, who I know comes from a more traditionally conservative yeah, yeah. viewpoint, but I really respect a lot of what he says. He says there's absolutely no way they'll let Trump in again. But I think either way, uh, whoever they decide to put in office, it's we're headed for some troubling times because, yeah. you know, I've talked to uh, and I've mentioned this several times on my program over the last couple of months. So uh, this is nothing new to our listeners, but I've talked to some MAGA supporters offline who have told me uh, off the record that if they steal the election from Trump again, they're going to take up arms. And of course, I tell them, don't do that. That's exactly what they want you to do. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, That's yeah. the wrong thing to do. Uh, but there's there's that sentiment out there is my point anecdotally that people are like, never again. And yet, and then if they put Trump in, you've got the, uh, you yeah. know, what you, what you jokingly called, you know, the the other insurrection. Really, yeah, yeah. you know, when BLM burns buildings and kills people, it's a peaceful protest Mostly but when when conservatives do misdemeanor trespassing it's an insurrection so uh <laughs> you know well, well they've created they created a situation where neither neither side is going to accept the results of the election now yeah ever yeah. especially especially with trump involved they're never going to accept so uh, the trump side with you know trump actor or not I call it the Trump and Sign Project. You know, but people people can read my. I've got a lot of stuff on this out there. I think he's an actor hired for the part, but lots of reasons for that. But regardless, whether he's a sincere and actor or not, uh, the hatred for him is real. Trump derangement syndrome, and I I have I lost so many people who originally liked my books and who uh, interviewed me, said great things, wrote reviews, and uh, but my supporting Trump in 2016, boy, I and then I lost the rest of them. I lost with COVID. I started writing about that, but uh, these these were people that were many of them were originally uh you know clear headed thinkers and they understood all the corruption. Trump got, but that's and I think that's what the Trump Design Project was. It was designed to trigger those people, and then what they've done effectively is killed any third party movement. So good luck to RFK Jr. But uh, there aren't any, everybody. And that's I call myself a Trump agnostic. We're the, like the smallest minority group in the country. Uh, because everybody hates or loves him, and and that's what he was designed to do. Yes. You either you either are repelled by that, like he's Emmanuel Goldstein, you know, the fake opposition in 1984. I, I used to call him Goldstein too. 
you either have people triggered with hate like they were for him there, or you have people that respond to just his ridiculous tweets. And, you know, because he, he does say some funny stuff, you know, fake news and makes up juvenile nicknames for really horrible people. The thing about Trump, even though I don't like him, he's got all the right enemies. I mean, the people yeah. that hate him are the, you know, how can you like them? So uh, it's it's a complicated situation, but he's right in the middle of it. And so I, well, I don't make predictions, what I can say without any doubt, is that whatever happens in this election or any other election now, it's not going to make things better. It's not going to be for the good of the people. Yeah, amen. I, I, I couldn't agree more on that. So uh, we're just about out of time, but I want to just mention a couple of things. You don't necessarily have to comment on them, but from your book, uh, the first book, Hidden History, I think that was the first in the three, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, stuff that I, I I learned from it and some stuff I already knew, but you you really document it quite well. And that is the weird connection between the Bush family and the Hinckley family uh, centered around the Reagan assassination attempt. I mean, that was mainstream news, front page of the Houston Post that, uh, you know, one of the Reagan uh, son, I mean, one of the Bush sons was scheduled to have a meeting with, I think it was John Hinckley's brother. I may have the yes, relationships yes. wrong uh, yeah. in Denver the day after the assassination. And it turns out that the Bushes and the Hinckleys have a longstanding business relationship. Yeah. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. That would be pretty stunning news that the family of the attempted assassin who shot Reagan, by the way, that happened on my birthday, March 30th, uh, it turns out to have a connection to the vice president at the time. I mean, uh, yes. that, that's one thing that people don't really know about. Um, the whole uh, Ali North, Rex 84, the Iran-Contra, the reality about yeah. that. See, so many of us just get our news. We were conditioned to do this, to get our news from either the right or the left. And so you parrot the uh, you know the party line without realizing there's usually a lot more to it than than people think. You get into Waco, uh, the Clinton body count, boy TWA flight 800. I've talked about that. Um, we already mentioned the OKC um, bombing. Um, yeah, I mean there's so much. I really really encourage folks uh, to get. Uh, these books by Donald Jeffries, uh, you know, uh, donaldjeffries.media, donaldjeffries.substack.com. Go to Amazon, just search Donald Jeffries books and uh, start with the two on, uh, you know, hidden history. Uh, and then he's got a brand new one coming out and I can't wait to get that one. So um, Donald, Don, any uh, closing thoughts here as we wrap up? Well, you, you mentioned Hinckley and Reagan uh, and the American Memory Hall. I'll have some absolutely shocking news about Hinckley and Jody Foster. I don't, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but um, maybe maybe something di di different there altogether than you think. And I'll have more things about Hinckley as well. Hinckley's an incredible character. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, I'm going to try to get a hold of the guy because he's, you know, he's out there free. Yeah. He's out there free and he's got a YouTube channel. And uh, he was originally, he, he had a gag order, which makes no sense uh, where he, when he was originally wor worked on like a, a a work release to be with his mother or something. And uh, at that time, he had a gag order where he couldn't talk about the shooting, the Reagan shooting, which would be the only reason anybody would want to talk to the guy. Right? Right. <laughs> so so I, I don't know now if that gag order is lifted as it has, and he probably wouldn't talk about it anyhow, but it would be fascinating. Uh, so I, I don't know. We, we probably won't have it. Most of these people, that's the most frustrating part for me when I'm investigating. I have a, a couple of great researchers, Chris Grace and Peter Seacott, who do incredible work for me because it's so hard now since the first hidden history was written it used to be much easier to find things on, on online 
now they block things. They make it really difficult and you need like a research team to help you with it. And, and the stuff about Hinckley, that was, that was actually through somebody else on Facebook, a fellow that, that, that uh, wow. happened to do this research. So I, people help me all the time and send me information, but you need that now because they, uh, they block this stuff. They know what you're trying to find. Yeah. And they, they know they, they all use Google's algorithm. And I I have like a dozen search engines. I try to use people keep sending me, will try this, try this. And, they're all better than Google, but they all use parts of the Google's algorithm. And eventually, you know, you'll when you're trying to find something especially nice and juicy, they know, and they'll they'll kind of try to steer you, you know, to establish a thing or something. So it's not it's not as easy writing these books now as it as it once was. But it's a it's a labor of love for me because uh, this stuff fascinates me, and uh, you never run out of information because there's so much there. Just in history alone, you keep uncovering new aspects of hidden history. Yeah, you really do. And 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 that's what I love also. Obviously, you're much, much better at it than I am. But, you know, it's like once you wake up to all of these lies, you just feel like you have to tell somebody and you just yeah. you ask, what else have I been lied to about? And you just start digging. And so my first book on this was back in 2012, The Great Last Day's Deception, Exposing the New World Order Agenda. And it was just a smaller, short book. I just wanted to get something out there. I'd kind of been researching it for five years. And I thought, man, I need to let people know. And then and then these last three books are really much, much, much more in depth and really go into a lot of detail. But uh, you know, um, so, I mean, I know you can't uh, you know, tip your hand here, but the Hinckley Foster thing, are you saying there's more to the story than simply that he was obsessed with her? Yes. Wow, man, I can't wait. Much, potentially much more. But again, I, I, again, I don't know. All I can do is just judge by what these researchers found. And uh, it's, but again, it opens, it really opens the door to the bottom of the rabbit hole. Yeah. Wow. Well, folks, uh, this is uh, we've been talking with Donald Jeffries and uh, Donald Jeffries media and Donald Jeffries dot I'd love to have you on again sometime. We can dive into a few more subjects. But as we close, you know, if this is your first exposure to some of the topics and I know we were kind of just coming at you like scattershot here all over the place, but I wanted intentionally to expose people to some of the false narratives in American history, because once you start to let go of what you thought you knew and, and at least be open to the reality that things are not always as they appear, then you've kind of started down the road and you can start doing your own research. And certainly Jeffrey's books are a great way to do that. But for many of you, this may be, your head may be spinning and you may be thinking, wow, how do we, you know, what, what do we make of all this? Well, first of all, let me close out by, as we always like to do, reminding you the number one priority is your relationship with the Lord. If you do not know the Lord through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, I encourage you to do that today. Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and He is mankind's only hope for eternal life. So uh, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ in simple childlike faith, abandoning your trust in anything and everything else you thought could get you to heaven, and instead trusting in the one who took your place on the cross, you need to do that today. Uh, even right now, as you're listening, wherever you're sitting, just place your faith in Christ. And then for those who already know the Lord, uh, this may have rocked your world a little bit, but um, do the research, uh, study it. And uh, and 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 certainly uh, my books uh, touch on a lot of this stuff, but uh, Donald Jeffries is a much, uh, a much more detailed researcher and goes a lot deeper in some of these things than, than I do as I introduce them. So Don, thanks so much for being with us today. And uh, 
With everyone, have a great rest of the day, great weekend. Uh, we'll see you at Plum Creek Chapel if you're in Denver or watch us on live stream uh, this weekend as we talk about Satan's war against God's people. God bless everyone. Have a great weekend.